I'm Elizabeth Esty, bringing you the Emergency Medical Minutes COVID Digest for March 27th. Yesterday, we heard from a Denver-area ED physician recovering from COVID. That conversation prompted us to do some research into the current thinking on COVID immunity. We'll also take a look at the possible therapeutic role for serum from patients who have recovered from COVID. But first, the numbers. The numbers today are alarming. The planet now has more than half a million confirmed cases of COVID and almost 24,000 deaths. A few hours ago, the United States became the epicenter of this pandemic, surpassing the number of cases in China with 83,800-some confirmed cases. More than 1,200 people have died in the United States of COVID-19. New York City now accounts for almost 8% of confirmed cases on the planet, with 37,000-some cases and 385 deaths. I believe more than 100 people died today of COVID in New York City. Louisiana is emerging as another epicenter in the United States COVID epidemic, with 2,300 confirmed cases and 83 deaths. Washington State, the first state impacted in the U.S., is a relative bright spot in all this with 3,200 confirmed cases and 150 deaths. Hard to imagine that that's a bright spot. Here in Colorado, we have 1,430 cases with 184 people hospitalized and 24 deaths to date. I urge you to check out the Center for System Science and Engineering at Hopkins. They have an excellent dashboard that can give you a lot more real-time, global, national, and local information on how this virus is impacting humanity. And one of real importance to anyone who works in healthcare. If you've had COVID, can you get it again? There are two reports out of Japan of patients with COVID developing the disease again weeks later. Osaka government officials report that a 40-year-old woman tested positive for COVID on January 29th, shortly after taking part in a tour with people from Wuhan. She improved quickly and was discharged from the hospital on February 1st. She developed symptoms and tested positive again on February 26th, so roughly 28 days later. The second Japanese case report presents a similar picture. It's of a 70-year-old man unlucky enough to be on the Diamond Princess who tested positive on February 14th, left a Tokyo hospital on March 2nd, then fell ill and developed a fever again on March 13th. Again, hard to know if this or similar anecdotal reports out of China represent new second infections or reactivation of disease. Reports from China suggest that some patients do shed virus for up to 37 days, so it may be that this case represents just a single episode of infection. While most patients will mount an adequate antibody response in about two weeks, a Japanese immunologist commenting on this particular case speculates that this patient probably just did not manage to do that. We know that SARS-CoV-1 and most likely SARS-CoV-2 does persist in some cells, particularly in the GI tract, after a patient has recovered. In other words, recovery doesn't mean that the virus is entirely gone. It may remain dormant, with a healthy immune system keeping it at bay. Experts on this topic seem to generally agree that reactivation of dormant virus or new infection are possible, but that they are likely to be asymptomatic or mild. For patients with impaired adaptive immunity, of course, reinfection can be deadly. At least one animal study provides some reassurance that we're not all in for recurrent bouts of COVID-19. A team from the Chinese Academy of Medical Sciences in Beijing infected four rhesus macaque monkeys with COVID. 
The four monkeys did get sick. They lost weight, had significant viral replication, mainly in their noses, pharynx, lungs, and gut, as well as moderate interstitial pneumonia seven days post-infection. They had high viral loads throughout their illnesses. Two weeks later, all four monkeys felt, or at least looked as though they felt better, and all had circulating antibodies. The researchers tried to reinfect two of the monkeys, but both had developed immunity and were unaffected. The authors conclude that the primary SARS-CoV-2 infection can protect from subsequent exposures and note the vital implications of this study for vaccine design. I do want to note that this is a preprint and was not peer-reviewed, and of course that it's in two monkeys. While it is encouraging that COVID does seem to confer protective immunity, it isn't at all clear how long that immunity lasts. There are a lot of coronaviruses around that aren't novel. We know that immunity to at least some common cold coronaviruses may only last a few months. Immunologists generally agree that we just don't know yet what the strength and duration of immune responses to COVID infection will be. We do know that patients who had SARS in 2003-2004 still have detectable antibodies, and a study in nine healthcare workers who survived MERS in 2013 shows that they still had detectable antibodies 18 months later. For many or most coronaviruses, immunity does wane over the years. Unfortunately, we may not know for months or even years how long immunity persists after COVID. A physician from Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City this morning posted an urgent appeal on Facebook for recently recovered COVID patients to donate plasma. The idea that the antibodies circulating in the blood of recently recovered patients can be therapeutic is not new. In fact, human convalescent plasma has been used on and off since the end of the 19th century to treat patients with measles, mumps, and the flu. More recently, it's been used to treat H1N1 and shown some promise in the 2013 Ebola outbreak and some effect in SARS patients. Researchers hope that the serum of recently infected COVID patients will have high levels of antibody, which can then be purified and given to sick patients. If this therapy can keep even some patients from becoming critically ill, it will buy time for health systems. One obvious appeal of using convalescent serum is that the treatment can start more or less immediately, in contrast to vaccine and new drug development, which can take months or years. In days and weeks to come, too, obviously there's going to be plenty of convalescent patients around, making convalescent serum plentiful and cheap. Arturo Casa Duval, an immunologist at Hopkins in Baltimore, has been pushing for use of this kind of passive immunity, of the kind of passive immunity convalescent serum provides since January. He published an op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal in late February, which attracted a lot of attention. There are now, in fact, hundreds of researchers working on various aspects of the push to see if this can work. Two days ago, the FDA classified convalescent plasma as an investigational new drug, which is key because it allows scientists to submit proposals to test it in clinical trials, and it allows doctors access to compassionate use for serious or life-threatening COVID-19 infections, even though it is not yet FDA approved. Trials were to start on Tuesday at Albert Einstein and at Mount Sinai in New York. The Takeda Pharmaceutical Company also announced that it's working to develop a plasma-based therapy for COVID-19 at the start of this month. 
We will continue to update this as soon as we get a sense of how effective these treatments are. Before you get your hopes up, be aware that Chinese researchers were trialing human convalescent plasma in February with mixed results. A researcher interviewed in Nature described 13 critically ill COVID patients treated with human convalescent serum, all of whom had the virus cleared from their systems, but none had clinical improvement. These patients, it should be noted, had been sick for two weeks or more, so it's very possible that treatment was simply begun too late. Another study in China tried the treatment on 245 corona patients in February. The state-run Xinhua News Agency reported that of these, 91 showed improvement in symptoms. Unfortunately, I can't find details of that study. To start answering questions of timing and who should get serum, an ID specialist at Albert Einstein College of Medicine says researchers are planning several types of trials there. In one, they'll infuse patients at an early stage of the disease and see how often they advance to needing critical care. Another would, like the Chinese studies, enroll patients with severe cases. Finally, they'll also be studying plasma's use as a preventative measure for people who are in close contact with COVID-19 patients, including healthcare workers, evaluating how effective infusion of plasma is in preventing disease. Researchers at Mount Sinai have also just developed an antibody test for the SARS-CoV-2 and have posted the directions online for how to reproduce this test so that labs around the globe can duplicate it. Current tests look for COVID genetic material in swabs from patients' nose and throats. So this is a very different type of test, one that determines whether a patient has been infected and started to mount an immune response. This and similar antibody tests can help identify potential serum donors, but they're also very valuable as public health tools in determining what percentage of a population has been infected. The U.S. has lagged far behind in testing, and we really don't have any idea right now how many of us have been or are infected. Finally, if COVID infection does produce immunity, even for a few months, antibody tests will help us know who's safe to go back to work. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more COVID Digest soon. 